It's the Class Teaching Podcast with James Crane. Welcome to the Class Teaching Podcast, the Durrington Research School podcast. It aims to explore educational research and provide insights into how being an evidence-informed practitioner can support teaching and learning. Educational research does not provide a silver bullet, but coupled with teacher expertise, it can provide us with tried and tested approaches that the evidence suggests may lead to promising outcomes. In each episode, we will draw upon the experience of a teacher with particular expertise in the area we are looking at. Darrington High School is a large coastal secondary comprehensive school based in West Sussex and has been designated a research school by the Education Endowment Foundation. You can follow us on Twitter at Durring Research. The purpose of this podcast is to help busy teachers like you connect with the latest thinking around ideas in teaching. In an accessible and easy format, we realise there is a wealth of blogs being published every week. The Class Teaching Podcast will start with me reading a blog and then spending some time with the author unpicking their thinking. This way you can listen on the drive to work or while walking the dog, rather than having to find the time to sit down in front of your screen during a busy day. In this week's episode, I'll be reading a blog by Sean Allison, who summarises a video by Adam Boxer on setting students up to succeed. I'll then be joined by John Fuller, who's a deputy head teacher here at Durrington High School, to talk through his thoughts on the blog and his thoughts on behaviour. How to preempt poor behaviour and avoid unnecessary confrontations in your classroom by Sean Allison. Last week, I came across a brilliant video by Adam Boxer entitled Setting Students Up to Succeed. In the video, Adam shares some approaches he uses in his classroom to prevent problems arising. The approaches are taken from Doug Lamoff's superb book, Teach Like a Champion 2.0. Sean has added a link in the blog to the video that he strongly recommends that you watch. In just 20 minutes or so, Adam does a superb job of summarising these incredibly useful approaches. Irrespective of your teaching experience, I'm pretty convinced that they will make a significant difference to your practice. With this in mind, I thought I would share them here. Narrate the positive. Teachers often use a countdown when they want their students' attention. For example, I want you all silent in five, four, three, two, one. The countdown should be punctuated by you emphasising students doing the right thing. For example, five, four, I can see John putting his pen down, three, I can see Sarah looking at me now, two, one. By doing this, you are normalising compliant behaviour. Narrate the positive can be used in a variety of contexts. For example, whilst watching students as they start a new task. Least invasive intervention. When you are doing the previous, you might notice some students not complying. Rather than drawing attention to this and calling it out in front of the whole class, for example, Nick, stop talking now. Take the least invasive intervention. That might be a nod of the head in the direction of the non-compliant student or a raised eyebrow. They get the message that you've acknowledged their non-compliance and want them to stop without bringing it to attention of the whole class. Be seen looking. As you're waiting for students to settle, as you're narrating the positive, make it clear that you are looking around the room to monitor their behaviour. Do this by making it obvious that you are looking around the room by deliberately moving your head around. Again, be stating the positive and negative behaviours that you observe. Pastor's perch. 
Once you've set students to work on a task, move to a position in your room where all students will be in your field of view. This might not be at the front and centre of the room. Often it will be the left or right corner of the room where you, when you are there, stand there and scan the room to check that all students are on task. If they are not, again, use the least invasive intervention to get them back on track. Means of participation. Often students don't carry out a task in the way we want them to, for example, in silence for a simple reason. We assume that they will, we assume that they will do this, do it this way without telling them. Preempt this by signaling and cueing how you want them to work beforehand. For example, by putting up your hand in the air, who can answer question two? Working on your own and in silence, I want you to work through questions one to 10. Front loading. This is where you put your means of participation at the front of the instruction before the point at which a student might stop listening and thinking about something else. Step away from the speaker. When a student starts to answer a question, step away from the student answering the question. This is important because it signals to the rest of the class that they are still part of the conversation. If you move towards the student answering the question, it becomes a one-to-one -one conversation and you risk switching off the rest of the class. Brighten lines. When you are giving students instructions, make sure the instructions are very specific and clear. Give the instructions once, then twice, and ask students to repeat the instructions back to you. Give a clear time limit for a task and ask if there is anyone who is still not clear about the task. Then set the students off on the task. As they do, assume pastors perch, be seen looking and narrate the positive. 3.30.30 rule. When students settle into an independent task, the teacher should go to pastors perch and just stand and watch the class for three minutes. Being seen looking and using least invasive intervention as required. Even if a student hand goes up straight away, Tell the student you'll be with them in a few minutes. Don't go to them before the end of the three minutes. They will probably unstick themselves. Following the three minutes, start circulating the room. Interact with individual students who need support for 30 seconds, and then stop and scan the room again for another 30 seconds before engaging with other students for 30 seconds again. This intermittent scanning with you being seen looking stops students drifting off task as they know you are still monitoring the whole class. I hope I've done a good enough job of explaining the approaches that Adam shared in his video. I think they are great. You can read more from Adam on his website, A Chemical Orthodoxy. Huge thanks to Adam and Doug by Sean Allison. So I'm joined now by John Fuller, who's Deputy Head Teacher here at Donington High School. Um, so first of all, thanks for joining me, John. Um, and I just thought I'd start with, obviously, you've read the blog. Um, so why do you feel this topic is so relevant at, at present? I think uh, behaviour is a central cornerstone of every school and every successful school and having clear processes and systems that are well known, well used and staff are confident in is absolutely central to the development and the progress of, of students um, lesson in, lesson out. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think one of the things that being involved in teaching and learning, it's some of the things that you sometimes sort of you sort of skip over you think about metacognition and feedback and questioning and modeling and what and all of the sort of nitty-gritty of teaching and learning but i completely agree the cornerstone is behavior um so why do you think that sort of preemptive behavior management is, is then crucial how, how do you think that what does that fit in i think that like any intervention the work that you put in beforehand is absolutely crucial to the success of it the more that we can preempt sort of negative or off-task behavior 
um, the greater amount of time we have to fix it. And there's less need then to go down the more formal sanctions. So staff that are confident in systems and strategies that they can use to preempt negative behavior um, will make a huge difference to maintaining excellent behavior within the classroom, which obviously then promotes, you know, more effective teaching and learning, which is, which is, you know, our core business, you know, for everyone. Yeah. And I think, I mean, having read the blog and, and, and thinking about some of the, the key ideas there, um, it's definitely something that, that makes you think that behavior management, although you might appear to be an experienced teacher and have good, strong relationships and good behavior, there's always subtle little things that you can do that are going to tweak it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, colleagues having a range of strategies that they can implement, you know, at appropriate times, you know, makes a huge difference. And I think the more that we can share these with teachers of all levels of experience, you know, the more effective their practice will be. It shouldn't just be a case of learning things sort of two, three, four years into your teaching career. It should be about us giving colleagues, you know, the strategies to use and then them implementing them, you know, effectively. And some will work better with some groups than others. But I think what this blog's done is it's identified some excellent strategies that are effective, that can be used, you know, preemptively to make a huge difference. And I think they've got they've got real impact. Yeah, completely agree. And that obviously leads into to my next point I wanted to go through. Obviously, one of your your roles is the sort of the behaviour management across the whole school. So I just wondered sort of how how would you go about or how do you go about um, ensuring consistency across a department and possibly across a whole school? I think one of the key things that we've learned is by keeping it high profile, when I say it, you know, your behaviour policy, the, the strategies that you use, you know, making sure that they're clear, there's clear escalations of, of you know, how systems should progress, should they need to, I think is absolutely crucial. Um, one of the most powerful things we did, you know, when we returned in March, um, following the most recent lockdown, was having that whole school inset, really focusing on it, um, having so, like having staff addresses to, you know, uh, to groups of, of colleagues, and then that going back back into departments to re, to go through it and say, what does it actually look like in a department sense? What are the challenges we're going to face? How do we implement that? And I think that's one of the most important things. Having a clear, simple policy that is easily enforceable, I think is absolutely key. Yeah, and I completely agree. That's a, a, a good place to start. The idea of this is the, the message for the whole staff body and then almost utilising your curriculum leaders and company leaders to really hone in on what that looks like in specific subject areas and how it's going to be managed. Absolutely. I mean, we pride ourselves on our high expectations. And I think we, we talk about high expectations a lot, particularly within behaviour and standards. But it's actually the strategies by which we implement them that is crucial to upholding that. So you can have an excellent policy on paper, but it's the, the steps that people take to make sure that's implemented. You know, and, and unfortunately, you know, sometimes you know, there is inconsistencies there, but we have to have a culture where we feel like we can challenge that appropriately, you know, and have conversations, you know, they can be learning conversations, or it can be more significant should it need to, but we have to address where there are inconsistencies. And that's where the proactive work of the senior team, where of, of um, leaders, curriculum leaders and company leaders, and also deputy leaders as well, and other colleagues, you know, is really important in terms of supporting that the processes that we have. And I think one of the things you've highlighted there, which really sort of resonated with me recently, um, was that, yes, there is somebody in your school who will oversee behaviour, but it's absolutely imperative that every single person is involved in that. It's not one person's responsibility. It's a collective person, everyone in the school. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm smiling because it's everybody's job.
every minute of the day you know whether that's passing a student in the corridor you know who might not be meeting expectations whether it's in your four walls of your classroom but it's every single person's job and i think you know it, it's everybody having the confidence to be able to implement to know what the policy is but to be able to implement it and not walking past or tactfully ignoring it's making sure that students are challenged because they need the boundaries of a consistent policy they need to know that it's the same in classroom a as it is in classroom b and it's not going to vary because as soon as they don't know as soon as there's any sort of inconsistency you know that will leave them unsure of where the boundaries are and there are some students that will take advantage of that but students need to know what the boundaries are and that they will be enforced and i think you know the strongest schools you know that's what we see day in day out yeah and i think obviously we've, we've touched on it there but that's one of the huge potential barriers i think in terms of whole school implementation is the ironing out other making sure it's consistent across everywhere. Do you think there's any other sort of potential barriers that could arise in terms of whole school or within the classroom in particular? I mean, I think, you know, where you have schools with, you know, with large staff, with a large staff, I think it's about making sure you have appointed people across that, whether they're leaders, you know, um, to make sure it's implemented. I think that's hugely important, but also not just doing something, not just referencing behavior on day one of the year, but it's sort of permeated throughout all of your work, that expert, those expectations. And, you know, it's gotta be something we consistently come back to. We've got increasingly, um, or we've got significantly better at really drilling down into the sort of data that we've got on behavior, where things go wrong and trying to look and identify patterns and look for where we can support. And I think that's the key thing. Every, every teacher and, and you know, 99.9% .9 of students come into school looking to get it right. And sometimes it doesn't go right, but it's about being able to identify why it hasn't gone right and putting things in place to make sure that those situations don't then reoccur. Yeah, and that leads perfectly onto this, the next element, this idea of, yes, you have a policy in place that's followed and upheld and consistent, but it's the preemptive work around that prior to it or one instance happen, it's how you prevent that from reoccurring. So obviously on the blog, there's some really good classroom strategies. I just wanted to sort of unpick these a little bit with you and sort of find out your thoughts on things that from your experience that you've seen work really well. I mean, I'll be honest, I think of the, of the nine strategies, I think they're all really effective and they're, I think they're easily accessible by all members of staff. At the start of, like I said, when we came back after lockdown, we really focused on this idea of preempting, you know, off task negative behavior because students have been out of the classroom for a long period of time by being able to give them an additional nine strategies or formalizing their thoughts on some of them to be honest you know i think it's a really i think it's a, re a real sort of development of, of their skill set um things like you know narrate the positive the number of times that i go into classes and i do hear staff counting down but by just being able to identify where people are getting it right and giving a little bit more detail you know that subtle change to the strategy is really really effective you know and and it's something it's one of the three that i've really tried to implement you know having read this it sort of really refocused what i'm trying to do and it, and it does make a real difference uh, and it doesn't have to be any particular year group but you know that is effective but that idea of reinforcing the positive i think is hugely important because we know that if we're just always picking up on the negative you know the students will not respond to that yeah and i think one of the huge successes of this blog is it makes you think um, and for me personally thinking about the least invasive intervention i can recall before the day before i read this blog i was saying to a student so and so stop talking now that's the third and i'm thinking to myself I'm not following that least of it. I mean, that's made me really think about the subtle non-verbal cues, the sort of 
raising the eyebrow, the tip of the head, the looking at the tapping of the table just in front of them to remind them to focus while you're addressing something else. I totally agree. I think uh, one of the challenges we've had is obviously when we have the you know staff trying to keep two meter distance, that would sometimes limit you know some of the strategies that people may have previously used. So by going to stand next to somebody you could feel was drifting off task. But you know those strategies are are so important, and there are so many subtle ones that you know you know that you can use, and they do make a huge difference. And it avoids that need to really address the behaviour verbally in front of the whole class, and therefore you know create a slightly different atmosphere and environment within the room. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and I just sort of wanted to ask you. Um, looking at this, it's obviously Adam Boxer and the, the Setting Students Up Succeed video is a really useful place to start. But is there any other sort of areas that you think in terms of books or, or research or blogs that, that you feel are, are really powerful when it comes to either proactive behaviour management or behaviour management systems? I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is this has all come from um, Doug Lamov and Teach Like a Champion, and that has always been held in really, really high esteem, you know, um, by, by professionals, and I, it's it's one I firmly recommend. Um, when we're talking about communication with with, with students, uh, Paul Dix has some interesting um, sort of ideas and theories, um, and, and 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 that's definitely worth a read as well. And Tom Bennett is always my go-to. Um, Tom Bennett is somebody that I've followed particularly closely. I think he speaks a lot of sense. Um, really, really clear, good experience within the field, and I think that. What he has is ranges of strategies that are, you know, implementable if you like, and you know that are that, that work effectively. And a lot of our work is based around that. And I, and also, you know, the EF uh, produced an improving behaviour guide as well, which I thought had a lot of, you know, really relevant information in there as well. That again, we've tried to permeate through what we do and reference our behaviour policy and our systems back to that. I think one of the key things, the next stage for us as a school is really being clear and, and really sort of identifying some of these strategies we're talking about here as we move forward and making them, you know, a staple part of our policy because, you know, we, we, we reference quite clearly the need for preemptive um, strategies to, you know, as part of our policy, but this actually is, is it's sort of the meat on the bone and it's really giving, you know, colleagues, particularly new colleagues coming to our school, you know, those strategies and the greater the consistency for the students, the better it will be. And I think that's hugely important. And I think in terms of my last question to you would be sort of what would your, your takeaway or three or four tips be on behaviour? Um, but I think you've just identified there. Yeah, I think the, the same things that have always been drummed into me, you know, behaviour never, ever goes away. And I remember my very, I remember my interview here, you know, speaking with, speaking with the head teacher, you know, it's something we have to keep at the forefront of our work every single day because it slips really, really quickly. You have to be absolutely relentless. You have to be well informed about what the protocols and the processes are. Okay. And you have to be, you have to persevere. You know, there is never a golden, you know, a golden nugget or a silver bullet for it. You know, it's a range of strategies implemented effectively and at the correct time. Yeah. You know, and I think it's that need to be relentless and really persevere with what you're doing. But also never be afraid to actually ask for help and support because, you know, the best school cultures are ones where, you know, in terms of professional development, you know, we are supported in our progress and our development. And I think being able to ask, no matter your, no matter what level of uh, experience you have, is so important. And I think actually discussing it, reviewing the strategies you're implementing, getting somebody to come and have a look and, and observe, I think is hugely important. Yeah.
Brilliant. And uh, some really thought-provoking stuff there. So thank you very much for joining me, John. Pleasure, James. Thank you for listening to the Class Teaching Podcast by Durrington Research School. It's the Class Teaching Podcast with James Crane.